one. Spags, it's time to battle for $3 million. You versus me in Underdog Fantasy's Best Ball Mania 4. Yes, $3 million to first place. Pete and I going head-to-head. It's going to be another classic Tuesday here in the doubleheader. Pete's channel, the Splash Play channel, both of them thriving in the Best Ball Mania 4 sunlight. And Pete, there's no banner on the screen. What giraffe is this for you? Uh, oh, thank you for teeing me up. This is number 25, a nice Ooh. clean number. After this draft, I will be, what, one-sixth of the way done of my Best Ball Mania journey? How many uh, teams have you drafted so far in BBM? I am now at 35 in BBM for uh, the Poodle, Pete. I did not max out over the weekend, the $7.20 wow. max tournament. So I kind of wanted to get some more drafts in and there was no cheap tournament to go to. So I did throw a few more in BBM four. And I think it's the one thing you've saved yourself from is by doing them all on stream. You don't get that little hankering like, oh, I'm going to sit around and have a draft. And it's like, you know, that that option is out, out of your table completely. Yeah, I did. I did uh, slow draft Max Inner the poodle. My, uh, you know, my buddies were uh, visiting this weekend. There was no way I was getting any live drafts in, but I did notice that contest dropped a little twenty max. felt felt very manageable there, so I fired off some slow drafts. So I am doing some poodle slow drafts to get my non-stream draft fix. But otherwise, I feel like I'm satiated right now. I'm I'm doing enough drafts a week that uh, I'm perfectly scratching that itch. Yeah, I have to do some DraftKings drafts now because those really do feel like work. I will say, of course, Pete, a, a known influencer for Underdog. I also uh, swear by the Underdog UX. And, and DraftKings, Pete, you're lucky to save yourself from that one because it really just feels like you're clocking in at the coal mine, doing a draft and dealing with fools on there. And it's just, it's not as fun as Underdog. And I will say that, honestly, in an unbiased way. It, it, it is funny. And I know there's there's some tools out there too. I think the Spike Week guys have an overlay for the DraftKings stuff that's making it uh, oh, we finally got an influencer got 101. Very nice. And you on the opposite end of the board here. Beautiful. And if anyone, everyone likes to do Anthony Richardson watch. Um, y'all know I'm not taking him. Y'all, y'all know I'm not taking him at 72 or 73. And he never comes back to 96. So it looks like no more Anthony Richardson shares for me uh, in this draft either. Uh, he's honestly fallen a little bit in some of the rooms I've been in lately. And that's the point where I've had a construction that didn't make sense to grab him. And I've avoided him a little bit. So my AR bags now done down under 40% in BBM four. So we'll see if we can get back on track today, Pete, because you're standing strong against Anthony Richardson. And here I am one of the, the world's most beloved, uh, benounced, <laughs> whatever renowned uh, AR experts there writing articles of football outsiders, which I am sure you did not read. Uh, I haven't, uh, I did see it on Twitter though. Uh, I'm sorry. I apologize if for what happened or congratulations, but I ain't reading that bro. Uh, no, I, I am glad that you took all of your pent up Anthony Richardson frustration. You know, a lot of people accusing you of a bit and, uh, you're, you're doubling, tripling, quadrupling down with a 5,000 word opus, uh, uh on him. I think, Pete, it's a it's a long holiday weekend. You should strap down, maybe print it out, go old school with it, and read that article so you can really cement yourself. Because I think if that article can't sell you, that the last article that's been on Football Outsiders for a week as we go through some uh, tough offseason times over there. But I think, Pete, it's your time to read that article and, and really finally embrace the good word. Yeah, there was there was a lot of good stuff about Anthony Richardson as a prospect. And the thing is, is I like... I'm, that's not what I push back on with all of that stuff. Like I, I'm definitely, it's, it's all a price thing. And for me, there's just not a lot of upside left uh, where he's going in drafts in a way I don't feel like getting burned. But like you said, he is starting to slip a little. I think we are starting to get a bit of a course correction after uh, Spags led the, the hype and steam train up into uh, absurd levels. So 
I'm biding my time here. I'm biding my time. The problem is the more we talk about him, you know, then the more he's still front of people's mind and they're like, yeah, I'll go ahead and take Anthony Richardson. So I just need, it's like how I think about crypto, you know, through a bear market. It's like, I just put it on the back burner. I don't think about it at all. And then I come back and I'm pleasantly surprised when it's going back up. That's how I am with Anthony Richardson right now. I just need to stop talking about it. We'll circle back to it and eventually I'll get my shares. Well, I do have a, a good talking point from Sam Hoppin that I've mentioned in a few different places over the last uh, few days. I thought it was the best distillation of Anthony Richardson, but let's see uh, what JSH does here because I'm about to pick and uh, what I do with my pick could decide if I'll get any AR shares today or not. All right, he takes Brown. So I will be live for a week 17 correlation here. I'm taking Devontae Adams. So Pete, the thing Sam Hoppin said was that if you gave Anthony Richardson, Josh Allen's rookie average rushing, which is 55 yards per game, like 0.7 rushing touchdowns per game. And you also gave him like a bad passing year, 2,500 yards, 15 touchdowns, 14 interceptions. You know what kind of fantasy QB year that would give him? Probably like seven or eight. Top five. Top five, if he's just Josh Allen from a few years ago, who wasn't that great coming out of college as a rusher, I will point out, but also didn't pass that well. So a healthy Anthony Richardson, like the health is maybe the main thing you'd worry about. And we don't worry about health. Um, Yeah, but the, the thing too is where, where he's going, like that's about where you're drafting him. You're drafting him. So the whole thing is like you want to be drafting guys who could just massively outperform their, their draft cost. And when you are drafting him in the exact range, where he's going what? I mean, at one point, was he going like QB7? One, yeah, two, I mean, three, yeah, four, he, five, he, six. He'll go past Watson sometimes, but he's going at 10 right yeah. now. Right. So like that in that is, I still think what you just laid out is close to a ceiling outcome for him um, in year one mm -hmm. with that offense, because then you really start to have to squint to, to say he could outperform those other guys. Okay. I, I think that his ceiling, I would say is passing yardage closer to 4,000 and maybe 25 TDs. Like I think that's in the range of outcomes just because he is a guy that's going to force the ball downfield a little more and get the variance that comes with that. Um, I actually am curious though, Pete, I know you were covering it a little bit yesterday. Are your dance teams live to move on? Cause that Lakers sweep and the heat stuff, I feel like you're well positioned because you didn't get any one ones and you drafted really smart because of that. Yeah, the problem is I only have uh, – I do have one team that I think is going to get through. It's a Jokic and Anthony Davis team. The problem is I don't think it's going to be live in the finals because it's only going to have – it was heavier on the Lakers. It, it uh, could feel the five-man Lakers lineup, um, and so that's going to that's gonna hurt me. But I had a lot of fun dancing. I think based on how that, it, how that team does, I need to check the payouts. I think I'll be profitable in the contest, which was nice. But yeah, it was disappointing because I full I ended up fading Giannis. I ended up, what also pissed me off is Bam and Jimmy Butler were two of my most rostered guys and none of them were on my teams that got through. I just oh. didn't get like the right combos with it. And so it was one of those weird things where it is like, it takes a specific team, like the portfolio couldn't even pull that through, but I still had a ton of fun drafting in the dance. Yeah, definitely a lot of fun on their dog. And uh, yeah, I had some teams too that uh, I got a lot of Giannis. I kept getting one-on-one. So I kept taking Giannis like an idiot. Wish I kind of diversified more. And I thought that stood out to me as being like, oh, that's Pete's general best ball genius. Like, oh, I didn't get this pick. Let me immediately leverage against it. And let's see if you do the same here with this pick. Damn, I was really looking forward to a Jalen Hurts, Devonta Smith uh, click there. I thought that would have been a very fun uh, for the 2-3 turn. Let's see what we are going to do here. I have been starting to mix in some more elite uh, QB builds. I'm going to take Tony Pollard with one of these picks. Let me check what's going on at wide receiver. Is this a piss boy room here? Chris Olave, T. Higgins. Um, Yeah, I think I will take... 
I think I will take DK Metcalf. Um, it's going to be a while until I pick again. Yeah, let's do DK Metcalf. Don't have a ton of him. What did it say my shares were of Metcalf right now? Oh, yeah. I I think my first, yeah, my first BBM wow. share of, of Metcalf. So let's uh, let's start to load him up here. I get a lot of Metcalf just because of trying to be zero RB through a portion of a draft or, you know, at least get those five receivers for 10 rounds that for the most part are pretty good. I've been playing more with the six wide receiver zero RB builds where you're just spamming them for the six rounds early because I saw some good data from Neil Farley, I think wrote it up in the fake sharp newsletter, uh, which I thought was interesting. And I've heard Hayden talk about it. Um, I feel like the radicalized zero RB Pete is something that people aren't doing a lot of this year. And uh, it's probably the only way to not be comfortable doing zero RB because otherwise you just want to take those seven receivers and feel good about it. But six feels thin, but does have good data behind it. It does. So this is my thing with the radicalized zero RB, like conceptually. And if I could like hand pick it, I love the concept. One thing that's really hard with it is um, one, we know we want to be, you know, double stacking ideally our quarterbacks and having multiple stacks. And when you do that with your first six picks, it makes it really tough to pull off getting those stacks because you're more boxed into specific teams with those players where when you're feathering in some wide receivers later, there's more options for you to be able to build out those stacks. So the times I have done like the six or seven wide receiver builds, I find it much, much harder to get kind of the stacks that I want. You really have to kind of think it through in a way that's more of a tightrope walk. Yeah, no, I think that makes sense. So definitely, uh, I I think I had double stacks with tight ends or including a running back. So that's the way that I was able to get different enough there. Also would have taken Josh Jacobs if he fell. He goes 31 here. I thought that would have been nice to build out my Vegas bet. Because um, this pocket, Pete, I don't love. I know I'm more of an Amari Cooper guy than you are. But besides that, like nobody on the screen right now kind of seems appealing to me. Yeah, I mean, the, that's the, the dirty secret right now is like the back end of the third round and early fourth feels pretty gross when a guy like Ramondre or Jacobs doesn't fall because then you're pulling the trigger on Ridley or Amari. Um, sometimes Mark Andrews is there, but in a draft like this, he's not there. If you're a Jameer Gibbs fan, like this is the the spot mm. to, to take him. Um, if you do want to get one of your elite quarterbacks, this is kind of the last call, you know, for fields. So yeah, like there's stuff you can do for sure, but it, I feel the tear gap um, a lot after Ramondre comes off the board. Yeah, Gibbs, I've actually started to take a little bit here just because, especially if you have a Ra, like it does feel like getting that Detroit double stack would be nice up top, but yeah, Hall goes now, so I can't extend my bet on Cooper. It's just a tough week 17 correlation spot, a tough talent spot, and Najee falls, Pete, every single time in these rooms. I'm not taking him at 39, but um, it gets tempting to take Najee when he gets to like 45 or later. Mm. Yeah, I think uh, what I got my one share. Was it was it on Splash Play or was it on Best Ball Breakfast? I obviously do too many drafts to keep track of, but I think I finally got a share of him in the late fifth round, and uh, I, I will get my Najee exposure at that price. God, I hate this. I am going to take, you know what? Let's just keep the dream alive. It'll come through eventually, <laughs> I'm sure. What? Uh, Michael Pittman going incredibly early because I hate the receivers and I got enough of all of them. Uh, what? Yeah. How high ahead of ADP is that? Oh, 16 picks. A little bit of a Spags takes Michael Pittman at pick 39, ADP of 55.9. So let me, let's just look at this Spags to you. Okay. So to your point, like he's not in this room, he's not coming back to 58, right? right? So, um, it was close. If you were in the middle of the round and you really wanted him, I still would say like, just push it. Um, but Drake London coming off the board here. All We are basically shifting the wide receiver ADPs up, what, five or six picks in this room, 
right now. So as much as I'd like to pile on you for that reach, if you are trying to set that up, uh, that was your only chance to get him. I mean, Christian Watson being gone too, like normally he's still there in that grouping. The guy took him at 30. So uh, sometimes there are just pockets where like I have enough Jerry Judy. I have enough Mike Williams because I just kind of get those guys as being in that situation. Um, so I'm going to take a guy I want here because frankly, Pete, I've not been getting enough AR lately. And at least I've got the week 17 correlation. I'm live for AR, all the things we want on the stream. Yeah. Um, we should also just mention, yeah, team two did what I was really hoping to do. The Jamar Chase, Devonta Smith, Jalen Hurts. I was hoping that would fall to me at the one. Um, that's very nice. Um, let's see here. I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to take Terry McLaurin with one of these picks. Um, we have our anchor RB. There's no running backs in this range I want. And so now the decision is going to be for me, do I take a fourth running back here or do I grab my elite tight end here? I do already have Justin Jefferson. Um, I'm going to just build out this Vikings bet. Um, on my stream with uh, Ian, I did a Jefferson Hawkinson and then I think kind of made a panic Kirk Cousins pick on a Josh Allen team that I didn't ultimately think I needed. And so... Uh, I am going to take this Jefferson Hawk, but not necessarily force Kirk because I think he is the kind of perfect quarterback or these are the kind of perfect pass catchers where you can get the benefits of the stack without having to invest in the quarterback necessarily. I'm still very open to, to Kirk there, but I'm going to try to be a little bit more flexible this time than I was last go around. How do you feel with Addison's price tag? Like, is it worth trying to get the Minnesota triple stack or is it you get one of Hawkinson if you get Jefferson, you know, either one of Hawkinson and Addison as that group? Because I like the idea of the triple stack, but the price is hard because you're basically saying like the Vikings are going to be this year's Bengals. And I don't know that I believe that. I'm kind of with you. Like just, I don't think it's like bad, but to spend because right. So from this spot, right. To get it, you're going to have to do it. Addison at the six, seven turn, right? Cause there's no way for the one hole. He's coming back to the eight. We're assuming that Hawkinson's always going to be at the four five turn Jefferson at the one, two. So then to devote three of your first six picks essentially to the Vikings offense feels a little rich. Um, I, I think that I would be more comfortable with combos of Addison with Jefferson, Addison with Hawkinson, but not all three of them together. Yeah, I think that's fair. I, I mean, I think that's the way too that a lot of people are going to think. So that's why kind of my brain, th you know, goes to should I triple stack them and try to get this full upside? And I think you know the Vikings defense last year was so bad they should be slightly improved. Having Brian Flores as a new DC, I'm definitely going to bring some different philosophies that have to be better just based on how bad they were last year. Um, but definitely an interesting thing to think about here is Addison seems up and Addison Pete might get to the 50s by the time we're in training camp season. Yeah, and honestly, like, you you know me. I was battling you about Addison versus Quinton Johnston uh, pre-draft, and I feel like I've completely switched because I agreed with you post-draft Quinton Johnston is the better pick, and now, like, the market has flipped it and everyone's so excited about Addison. I, I prefer Quinton Johnston's price right now and maybe in a vacuum because even though I do think he has more bust risk, I do think his range of outcomes as a league winner, just knowing he is not capped um, in that offense. I do really think the scenarios where Quentin Johnston hits his 90th plus percentile outcome are just far, far more fruitful for fantasy than when Addison does. 
Yeah, no, I think that's completely right. Um, and honestly, you know, a lot of talk's been made about the catch and run stuff for Quentin Johnston. Again, a 38% avoided tackle rate for him in college. That was one thing that he did better than any receiver in the class, basically. And the Chargers have talked about just wanting to get him the ball in space and see what he can do with it. Whereas Addison, I think, is kind of, yeah, I like the I like the fancy phrase, like fancy blank. He's fancy KJ Osborne now, which like I'm okay with. That's actually a pretty good outcome for I think uh, he looked pre, you know, big board draft period and all that stuff. But Addison being, you know, fancy KJ Osborne, I don't know if that's worth a top 55 pick. And that's where he's probably going to be at. Yeah. And man, it's just like the market now with these wide receivers is so crazy. Like one thing I was mega wrong on, it was on draft night when JSN got drafted by the Seahawks and everyone was hemming and hawing. This is a bad landing spot. And I was like, louder, make it louder because I want cheap JSN. And I thought maybe we get him. I think I even said eighth round on the show. And God, is that looking naive right now? Because his ADP just will not budge out of the back half of the fifth round. I've barely ever seen him slip to the sixth round, and at least in one of my, my drafts. And I'm like, I love these rookies. I still think they bring a lot of value. But man, that is uh, that is rich. Yeah. Speaking of, here. what are you doing here? Yeah. Um, I do not like any of the... Well, I, I could maybe entertain Damian Pierce here. Um, I'm going to go ahead and grab, I'm going to grab Marquise Brown with one of these picks. Um, the wide receivers continue to fly off the board. And now my kind of question is there's nothing I'm doing with quarterback in this range. I think Goddard's a value, but I'm not going to go too elite tight end. So it's basically, do I take Damian Pierce or do I grab another wide receiver? This, this room is just very pissy though. And I'm going to go ahead and grab, uh, Gabe Davis. Ooh. I like your argument about, uh, it was one of your streams you did recently talking about Gabe Davis and how, um, like, what if he's the guy that's kind of the Josh Jacobs equivalent this year? I could kind of see that just because they didn't really replace the role. I guess Dalton Kincaid's kind of getting priced up in the hopes that he is more of a wide receiver two, wide receiver three. But Gabe Davis, like, we know the spike weeks are there. Like, you know, he can give you, you know, 30 points in a week if, if things align the right way. So Gabe is probably undervalued. He's just not a fun click because it feels, I mean, he was just such a bust last year. That's really the only reason why. Yeah. And like, I, I get there's, there's, everyone has their, their ways. They like to play best ball and uh, with the player takes and stuff, but one kind of like buying the dip on guys who their situations have not meaningfully changed has proven to be a really good strategy. I brought it up a lot with the tight ends in previous years where like Waller and Kittle were going at the two, three turn. They burned everyone. And then they became much, much cheaper and their outlooks didn't really change that much. I feel the same thing with Gabe Davis. Like his outlook has not really changed that much, but his price has changed by three to four rounds. And so like buying back on that dip post hype um, is just something in general I like to do. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, I, and it's not like Gabe's old or anything. It's not like he's hurt. It's not like there's really any of the things that you would say are a red flag to think of outside the box a little bit. So um, that's, that's pretty fair. And I took DeAndre Swift there just because the ADP value is thinking Montgomery, but, um, we'll see. I might, I might not take AR today, Pete, which kind of hurts me, but I feel like the running back values are more pressing for me. And also I just took so many receivers and now I have to kind of hit the board hard on running back. No, you're, come on, you're taking it. I mean, if, if you're, if you're reaching for Michael Pittman around and you're not taking AR at 87, what do you do it? I just want to get the receivers I wanted in that pocket. I wanted to try a six wide receiver zero RB build here today because I've been liking how they looked. And that's why I took Pittman. That's the only reason I took Pittman. And we'll see if if Washington Foreskins, <laughs> who's on the clock, calls me on it. Every every week, you know, you know the ah! you know, 
look at, I love you were trying to sandbag reverse psychology at nice try spags. Um, all right. Deshaun nice Watson try. makes sense here. It's fine. It's fine. Not like I had a bit or anything. No, no, it doesn't matter. Um, hang on. I, I, I have a serious question for you spags. This is like all bits aside, you and me just talking legit best ball strategy. Do you think that you maybe go into draft sometimes a little too in because you you're literally doing this on Friday. Like you're setting out to get specific stacks as part mm -hmm. of like a way to mix up drafts and make it uh, fun for content. I get that. But do you think in some of these other drafts that you sometimes go in like, and I'm, I'm like this too, right? Like you read someone talk about a player and you're like, Oh, that is a fun 18th round pick. I want to go select him. But do you think sometimes you go into drafts with too much of a plan instead of letting the draft room come to you and being like, this might be a radical zero RB room, but it might not. Because sometimes I feel like you stick to your preconceived plan, maybe a little too tightly. So I think for stream drafts, I do a little more though. On Friday, I did end up taking a, like a hyper fragile RB build kind of focused on Bijan. And I forget who I took in the second round, but took a bunch of running backs early and absolutely hated it. Um, I prefer going and trying to draft zero RB. Obviously, if the room kind of pushes me in a different direction, I, I do that. But I think I do get a little more different off stream just because I don't even know if that's fair. Make your picks. And let me let me think about that a little more. I'll marinate. Yeah, I'm looking at this board here. We have reached the wide receiver cliff area. Um, I actually think Jamison Williams is still a decent pick in this range, but I'm not going to do that. I'm going to go ahead and grab James Cook. We're building out a little bit of a bet here with the Bills since I have Gabe Davis. I kind of like James Cook as an RB2. I know there's a lot of Damian Harris steam, but I still think he's a nice pick in this range. And now I'm kind of, you know, I'm at that point at ADP with Justin Jefferson um, and Hawkinson. I don't have a QB yet. I have a big bet on the Vikings. Um, I do have some other backdoor stacks available with the Seahawks, Washington, Arizona. Do we push it here? That's a real big, big question. I think I'm going to have a little fun. I'm going to push it. I'm going to grab, grab Zach Charbonnet, another back I really like. I also have a bet on the Seahawks with Metcalf. So I have the Cook, Gabe. I have the... Charbonnet and Metcalf. And because I have more outs for backdoor stacks here with quarterback, Howell, Murray, Gino, I'm going to push it and see if uh, the Addison uh, drafter doesn't want Kirk Cousins, essentially, because I don't think a lot of other people are in the market for naked Kirk Cousins is my thesis. You would hope so. I mean, sometimes <laughs> these drafts, I feel like lately, a lot of QBs going naked. Uh, you know, it depends on the room, certainly, but definitely a lot of the, I feel like the casuals coming in and taking guys like Burrow unstacked, I feel like is a bane of my existence. That's the new Purdy unstacked to me because the amount of times I have either one, uh, you know, one bangle, two bangles, and the other person doesn't have any and they take Burrow, it just drives you insane. And, I, you know, there's going to be these pockets, I'm sure, that occur all summer long. Okay. Yeah. Um, Looks like uh, Naked Kirk is disgusting. This is what I'm banking on here. Um, let, let's check in on your structure here, Spags. Uh, you did, what did, was it Deshaun with uh, Amari? Yeah. Yep. And then you have uh, DeAndre Swift here, uh, 116. And so are you, uh, are, you, are you stopping at wide receiver? Are you done? I think so, at least for now. If I take a receiver again, it'll be later. I think I kind of dulled a little bit the value of the six wide receiver zero RB build because I did uh, take the uh, reach on Michael Pittman. But I'm on the clock here. Um, I'm never going to argue with Devin A-Chain. I wish I had a Miami or Baltimore component in this team right now, but A-Chain to me, one of my favorite rookies, so I'll take him here at a, a non-value. But Not a lot of running backs on the board. 
Yep. Uh, I think I was saying it on Best Ball Breakfast. I'm, I basically settled on one Miami Dolphin running back in every draft. I love mm-hmm. A-Chain. I love Moster. I love Wilson. Uh, I prefer playing them slightly cheaper. I've been taking A-Chain when he slips. I think I got him at like 116, 117 with a Tua team yesterday. Uh, but man, I love that backfield. One of those guys, and maybe two, but one of those guys is going to absolutely demolish ADP. Yeah, and it could be one of those things, too, that I've seen some social media talk about where maybe one of them is the guy that gets you through the first 14 weeks and then A-Chain takes over 15 through 17. Uh, certainly a possibility. I still definitely need some running backs here. I also could take another Vegas receiver, but we are committed to the six wide receiver build, so I'm going to take Damian Harris here, who I think fits zero RB build well. I got Swift, A-Chain, Harris. I like, I like kind of spamming running backs in this pocket. Yeah. And uh, Kirk Cousins does go. Uh, definitely not going to begrudge the Jordan Addison owner who had not selected a QB yet of pulling the trigger there at 105. Uh, but I am uh, perfectly okay with not having Kirk, despite my bet on the Vikings. Uh, can I just point out, I, like, and again, I, Christopher Davis, of course, if you saw last week, got my goat last week with some AR takes. This week, Pete, Jonathan Mingo is the the new Amon Ross St. Brown Pete, you like Mingo? You like the draft capital that went to Mingo? Do you think he's the new Amon Ross St. Brown? No, it's a it's a horrible, horrible comp. Like, if you want to do a comp to Mingo, you would want to say, like, he's rookie year Chase Claypool or rookie year T. Higgins. These guys that have red flags on their profile but are so big and athletic and they get some downfield shots in year one and score more TDs than we would expect. That's kind of um, the guys that you're looking at there. But Amon Ra for Mingo is just a truly awful comp, both aesthetically and realistically. Um, all right, I am going to grab Geno Smith to go with DK Metcalf. Um, I'm trying to see here if there's anything else I'm missing. There's no quarterbacks I think I need to take in this range, so we will grab Geno. And then we're at five. do. You know, one guy that I've been wanting to get a share of, and it just like hasn't worked out for whatever reason. And now that I'm kind of in like a flat spot and no obvious correlations are jumping at me, I need to get an Antonio Gibson share here. I've been wanting to start mixing him in. Now seems like a good time. Yeah, I take Brian Robinson enough still. And you know, I, I guess I honestly should maybe mix in some 18th round Christopher Rodriguez because he is a guy that kind of plays a similar role to Robinson more so than he does uh, Gibson. The Gibson thing to me, I talked last summer like I didn't like him. I think that ended up being right that Robinson, clearly the guy they wanted to play more. I think if Robinson had gotten shot, it probably would have been even worse from day one. But this is a new offensive coordinator with Eric Bieniemy that I think there is kind of a chance that Gibson rises back up, even though Ron Rivera didn't like him. So I would take both those guys, obviously not in the same draft for me. Um, but I think Gibson is probably a little bit undervalued. And people have been asking about him, but I think people, Pete, like, I think they like Gibson for the wrong reasons. They like him because he was good before. But I think the new opportunity kind of aligns where they could end up being right, even if they're not right about the reason. Yeah. And I mean, I think so. If I think through like the Gibson stuff, um, his situation has legitimately changed in a good way and that JD McKissick is cleared out. And that pass catching role is very much up for grabs. Brian Robinson. Sure, could he catch a couple balls in a pinch? Yes, but I don't think they're ever going to use him like that. We also just have a long history of the Washington Commanders kind of pigeonholing their backs into roles too. Um, also, you can ask yourself, how many positive game scripts are the Commanders going to have where they are able to just ram Brian Robinson between the tackles? Um, 
So yeah, Antonio Gibson, we like his profile. Nothing about that has changed. We know go, going back to college when he was a wide receiver that he's a very capable pass catcher. We know he's explosive. And he's being drafted in a handcuff committee back range, right? So like it almost feels like you're free rolling any additional upside. Like even if he is just doing pass catching backs and he's like a slightly more interesting J.D. McKissick, he's probably not a bad pick. And then if the scales of workload are tilted even slightly in his favor, then he could be just a smash in this range. At least that's how I'm starting to think about it. And I'm pretty bullish on him. And then realizing I have no Antonio Gibson, I'm like, what's going on? I think it was because I was really prioritizing the rookies in that range. You know, I've been taking Kendra Miller a lot, A-Chain, and knowing those guys were going to probably rise. But when those guys aren't there, man, um, I definitely think Gibson's a priority zero RB target. Yeah, like, and again, I'm not a big Gibson believer. Like, I kind of fudded him down last year, this year, too. I think you can point to the stats from last year where he really wasn't better than Robinson in any metric. That said, if we're going to talk about one that he is better at, it is kind of being a pass catcher and being out there and able to run the routes. And uh, if that's something the enemy is going to bring to the table, I think it's there. And uh, what are you going to do with your two picks? Let's see here. Seeing if I have any correlations here. Hmm. I probably am going to just grab Kyler with one of these two picks. He's also a guy that I've been willing to push. I'm going to grab Alec Pierce. Uh, I'm sorry to snipe your, your Anthony Richardson here, but at the top of my queue here, and one of the last like wide receivers other than some of these rookie darts that I think has really big upside. We can also push, can also push the, um, the Kyler stuff, I think, because we have the Sam Howell out as well. I'm going to stay true to my word about my one uh, Dolphins in every draft. We're going to go ahead and grab Mostert here. So I think it's interesting because I know you've pointed out me being thin at tight end. I feel like you go thin at QB. Like, I know that, you know, you're a Sam Howell guy. You believe in him kind of being the starter there. Or at least, you know, they're going to give him the runway to do it. Um, like, I would not feel comfortable with two QB build with Howell as my QB2 personally. Um, unless you have like, you know, like one of the elite guys or semi elites, but Gino and Hal feels pretty thin to me. Yeah. I, and I don't, I don't think I would do a two QB build in that sense. I think I would end up with a third. Um, but, and, and maybe I'll see how these rooms go, but you know, I had the, the draft where I ended up getting Kyler at like pick one ninety, And so he's a guy that falls, but to your point, I probably will set up, uh, another backdoor stack. Uh, if I am looking at Howell at a QB2. And so basically my thought with, I will say this, I'm willing to punt QB, but I'm actually not willing to go like super, super thin at QB this early in the off season. And so like, if I get shut out of the elite QBs and it just doesn't happen, like I'm just perfectly content doing three QB builds because I think the way you combat it is, all right, you're going to have the elite QBs, but I'm going to be able to set up three individual stacks that's going to potentially give me more leverage in the playoff weeks if i am able to sneak my team through just having more outs to climb to the leaderboard via that correlation so in this room too like i was looking at the board you know Derek carr was still kicking around and so i'm just kind of making a calculated decision look at this guy just sniping all by qbs now this this what this i do think for him is an objectively bad pick um you spent two top 112 picks on a quarterback and then oh, taking yeah. Kyler Murray um, unstacked there. He panicked about the bye week. Like he saw what? the two week 13 buys and he's like, I have to get a guy who's playing. Yeah. Even though Kyler could also theoretically not be playing in week 14 or week 13, rather. Yeah. 
Um, but yeah, I'll probably set up a, a three QB build now with Howell and someone else. And I just took uh, Sam Laporta here for my golf stack. So I feel pretty good about that. And that's the thing too, you know, like we were talking about earlier, if you want to try to get a double stack, uh, but you are going thinner at receiver because you're spamming some zero RB teams. Um, I think trying to take the tight end as your correlation works pretty well. And Laporta, Laporta is one of those guys, Pete, I think he's going to be Kincaid range at some point this summer. Yeah. I mean, yeah, they probably shouldn't be viewed that differently, right? Laporta and Kincaid. I so. And I would, my thought is that it should be more Kincaid coming down to Laporta range than Laporta going up to Kincaid range. But I'm doubting that's how the market will interpret it. I did get my first Kincaid share yesterday. It was a Josh Allen team where he slipped around past ADP. And I was like, I think he's one of the more uh, egregious prices on underdog, but if I'm ever going to get a share of him, it's going to be correlated with Josh Allen at an ADP discount. That's really the only time I'm going to end up with him. It's obviously different ADPs, but it feels like Kincaid this year is getting the Josh Allen uh, non-discount that Gabe got last year. Like he probably should be going where Laporta is and like the 130, 140-ish range. And instead he's going in the 115, so, you know, sometimes earlier, sometimes later. But I think that's it. It's just that like people get so excited about the potential of a new weapon in Buffalo. And then ultimately, like I like Kincaid a lot, but I think people might be a little disappointed with just the target share. Like, our, like Liam's going to be sad about it because he's not going to get 10 a game. He's going to get closer to like five, six if we're, if we're running hot even. Uh, yeah, I think that's, I think that's fair for sure. Um, we could do something with Stafford around past ADP. That feels kind of gross. Um, let's see here. There are definitely some quarterbacks kicking around here. Always have my play the hits here. Is Jimmy Garoppolo still on the board? Could do something there. Also have that indie correlation. I'm just going to give myself some more outs here. I'm going to put Renfro in. And then let's see. This is always the tricky thing with setting up the back door. It's like, do you want to set it up with the wide receiver? Or do you want to set it up with the quarterback and then grab the guy late? Um, They're probably not a lot of Renfro competition for you, but maybe. Yeah. And then, like, someone like, I do like that I have Kenny Pickett, but I don't necessarily want unstacked Kenny Pickett in the same game against my Seattle stack there. Um, do, 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 do. Let's go ahead and just grab Matthew Stafford. I've I've now let multiple quarterbacks go and then not come back to me. And they're, at some point, that's going to that's gonna hurt me. And I have um, a couple late darts on uh Los Angeles that I can toss uh, for a stack there. But man, sometimes the drafts come cleanly to you, Spags. This one has not come cleanly. I've let, what, my three different quarterbacks go that have not come back now. See, and I think some, if you want to tie it back to that earlier question about, you know, why sometimes I don't let the draft rooms come to me as much, it's because, again, I, like, I do the research, like I pull all the data, like I kind of inform my takes as best I can. But it's also that I didn't want to end up on a pocket where I've built around this whole thing and somebody snipes you on something. And now that you were like dying to get math, Matthew Stafford necessarily, but you got to Matthew Stafford because like, you know, you lost out on option A, option B, option C. And I don't want to get to my option D too often, but obviously, you know, different rooms and all that. Like Mac Jones is always there at 200 if you need it. Yeah, and, like, my approach to it, and I've said this before, of, like, trying to draft, like, I'm trying to, like, sneak through the super teams. And then an added bonus of, like, when you do get sniped is you end up getting that natural diversification benefit, right? Where I'm never going out of my way to target Matthew Stafford. But I do think he's a value when he slips past ADP. 
this is a three quarterback build where I, I need another one of those guys. And it just pushes me to different builds, even though it feels gross. And uh, I, I definitely would not be my first choice, but it's not the worst thing to get guys at a discount that you wouldn't otherwise select. Um, I want to chase Brown there. Unfortunately, he goes right before me. So let's see what else. Is this our true sniper? He sniped me like three times and now just sniped you on uh, on Chase Brown. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I still am most angry at Washington four skins, I suppose, but we'll move on. Um, I'm going to take Ty J Spears here for a little week 17 correlation with Devin Singletary, my sixth running back off the board. So it's you six, six, one. And I wouldn't mind taking another receiver late Pete, but I feel like, like I got good running backs for a zero RB room. So I don't know that I need to keep pressing running back as hard. Yeah. What it, yeah. And so you got, I mean, you're done at QB there and you did do the thing that I was saying where it can be a little tricky with the radical zero RB to get the stacks to line up, but you ended up getting your double with golf. And do you have a double with Watson right now? No, or not yet? Single for now. Maybe. Yeah. I mean, there might be one running back I could take who's getting steamed up here. So I'm just going to grab him now. I'm going to take Jerome Ford and that'll be my last running back. And maybe I'll take a luxury wide receiver and a couple tight ends. So what's your structure at right now? A two, seven, six, one. So you're definitely going to do one tight end and then you kind of have flexibility. Uh, I think you can definitely get to seven wide receivers with that build. Yeah, I think so. I think especially with the Pittman reach again, like, yeah, I liked the idea of taking Pittman just because I didn't love the other guys on the board and I did want to be live to take AR, but he gets sniped for me. So um, I think, yeah, seventh receiver, if you're, if you're reaching like I did here, I think would be a wise move. Yeah. Yeah. I took um, Ford. Was it Ford and Gibson have been two of the guys that I just, I like those guys as zero RB targets that for whatever reason, I haven't ended up with a lot of them. So I did get a Ford share on best ball breakfast yesterday on one of my zero RB builds. Um, I, I think he's, I think he's a great pick uh, where he's going. Although this is also coming from the guy who was drafting loads of Dearness Johnson under like a somewhat similar thesis. Um, it also just goes to show right where it's like, we all are smart enough to know there's value in the Cleveland backfield behind Nick Chubb, but it also goes to show how wrong we are like each year with like, Oh, we kind of think it's going to be Dearness Johnson. Then we're all the, like, who the fuck is Jerome Ford? Um, it's just another notch of like humility uh, when we're, we're doing this stuff. Yeah. Kareem Hunt also definitely not coming back either for anybody who kind of wonders about that. Some of the Cleveland reporters were talking about this, uh, that this week. So it's part of why Ford is starting to come up even more. So there's no one like jumping out at me as just like a super screaming value. So I'm going to go ahead and get complete two stack things that I want to make sure. So I'm going to be done at quarterback with Sam Howell. I'm going to have my Terry McLaurin and Antonio Gibson stack with him. And then I do need a tight end too. I would like to double stack Noah Fant. So going now I have Charbonnet, DK Metcalf, and Noah Fant. I'm completely fine with a Hawkinson, Noah Fant tight end room. So I've now kind of like caught up structurally um, to where I need to be. And now I can tack on an eighth wide receiver here, uh, most likely. Yeah, I think your team makes sense. I feel like we didn't necessarily get the week 17 correlations we're looking for quite as much. Like you have a little bit on the back end of yours, but I think that's the one thing I feel like we both kind of missed on this draft. Yeah, I don't have, um, yeah, Washington, what I need a niner, which I don't have. Um, Minnesota with that mini green Bay, which I don't have Seattle with Pitt, which I don't have cancel me. I have no week 17 correlation, uh, the Rams and the giants. Uh, I, I will, this is my promise to the people. I will find a way to correlate some week 17, bring back with my final pick. 
Yeah, I'm taking one week 17 correlation, I think, which I can have safely in my queue because I'm not producing this stream, but I will be producing the next one coming up on the Splash Play channel. And of course, uh, Pete, you have to pander for subscribers here because I think that's the one thing you're too proud to do. But subscribe to Pete's channel here. The March to 15,000 is going on. And of course, Pete giving away $1,500 to three different people if he hits that 15,000 sub mark. And I think, Pete, I've been seeing your views go up. So I want to make sure you're, you're optimizing because I care. I care about you personally. Yeah, and I, I should say, it's so funny. I'm I'm starting to notice commenter fatigue. Spags, I am wearing these guys down. Yesterday, I announced the expansion of Best Ball Breakfast on Wednesdays. Of course, we do two drafts on Splash Play. That's six drafts just alone, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. People are starting to say, hey, this is a full-time job. Hey, I'm slowing down. The comments are starting to slow down. So, as Spags was saying, every time you leave a comment on one of these streams, you get entered into the giveaway. I'm telling you, your, your odds are going to continue to increase if you just stay consistent. I'm going to stay consistent. Spags is going to stay consistent. It's just up to you to leave a comment. But I'm telling you, these guys are starting to fall off. They're getting tired. We're losing a lot of good soldiers out there. So fight the good fight. Stay in the commenting game, and you will continue to increase your chances to win 1,500. And I will even say this. Someone asked me the other day, I think we're well on pace to get 15K subs by like mid summer it, as long as we continue on this trajectory although maybe we might need some more run pure sports drama to help fuel that as well uh but i'll even consider stretch goals once we get there we'll do the giveaway right when we hit that 15k subs and who knows maybe we get a little you know 17.5k stretch goal here so appreciate all your comments i have a playlist on my youtube channel with all of the stream drafts just because you missed some at the beginning it's fine you can go back and watch them leave comments the entries are still good whenever they come in yeah, I don't know if you've seen some. I mean, I'm sure you're seeing all the comments too. Of course, I try to reply to all of them on the Splash Play channel. Pete replies to almost all of them here on his channel as well. One guy kept commenting, you know why I'm here on every video. And I was like, God, this is just scary. It is. And I have, I've now developed these different, you know, some people are now asking me trivia. One person names a breakfast fast food item every time. Um, we got our guy, Fantasy Football Garage, who gives me a historical fact. We got Mathology, who does astrology stuff we got you know there's all kinds of bits going into the comments and then some people are more shameless some people say give me the money some people say you know why i'm here so i like that everyone's starting to find their own lane uh in these comments because it's like we're stuck with each other for the summer you know we're in this jail cell this best ball jail cell and we might as well make it fun for each other and also I'll point out here, I got a 2772 build to close out. Did get my, I guess a triple stack now with Watson because I took Tillman at the end, but did punk out Pete of going just pure six receivers because I didn't like that I reached for Pittman in hindsight and seventh receiver makes it feel slightly cozier. Uh, there you go. I'm glad, you know, you're not, you're just a zero RB bro. You're not a radical zero RB bro is what we I, learned. I am if I get value at receiver. Like if I got Watson in that group instead of Pittman, I probably would just roll with the six because like I six feels good too because it is uncomfortable, but you know you're getting upside. But boy, you, you miss on one of those receivers and it's like, God, I don't want to bury myself when I've actually kind of drafted somewhat advantageously. All right, I need to ask the chat here. You guys get to decide. I mean, I do have Matthew Stafford unstacked right now, so I should probably take Tutu Atwell. But I did also promise week 17 correlation. Obviously, Tutu is correlated, directly correlated. Darius Slayton's like probably a more objective, better pick. Um, or do you nail the uh the correlation with Stafford? I, I think I think I just need to take two two because an unstacked Matthew Stafford just does not seem seem nice. Yeah, but GA saying Puka, I would take Puka. Yeah, I, I understand the uh actually I don't understand the Puka enthusiasm. Um I'm gonna go two two. Talk to He's me about Puka. Try to try to sell me on on him. 
so he's a little more spry, a little more competent playing outside. He's not just a boom bust guy, can kind of rack up targets and all that and catch and run. Um, so I think Puka, you know, undersized as well, like Tutu, but not just like a guy who's going to catch a 50 yard bomb and that'll make or break your day. He could, you know, theoretically, like if Cup went down, he could theoretically get like six, seven targets in a game and make something with him. What round did they take him in? Fourth or fifth, something, something like that, maybe. Let me know in the chat. What round did he take? See, if he's a, fifth round. At, I mean, just we also need to like back up because like that level of draft capital, um, they're just extremely, extremely thin bets. I mean, yeah, it's it's tough. I mean, what? Where's Jaden Reed going right now in drafts? Is he still sixteenth, sixteenth roundish in drafts? Yeah, or is I think he so. up? Yeah, and, and he's yeah. going. Yeah, and he went higher. Yeah, so I don't know. I think um, I think it's a little wishful thinking there. I get the the late dart, you know, trying to get a guy who isn't taken in a lot of drafts there, but I'm not going to take him over uh, 2-2 in that case. Let me just um, – I'm labeling my team on my end as well. <laughs> Watson, Goff, AR Snipe is what I'm going to call this yep. one. Um, All right. So yeah, give, give the plug here as we transition over. Of course, Pete has set it up automatically, but we will transition over. But yeah, you might want to plug some other things. Uh, yeah, no. So this is, of course, Splash Play doubleheader. So the second this stream ends, Spags and I are going to head over to the Splash Play channel to do exactly what we did here, draft uh, Best Ball Mania for team. Uh, I have the link uh, down below, or you can go to the Splash Play. I have those listed, and the redirect should work the second we finish here. If you just stay here, should refresh and be on the Splash Play channel. But like I said, my main thing is, uh, one, I am doing a uh fantasy life office hours today i've been talking a lot of best ball in there actually i have an article up on fantasy life today about um kind of rethinking through week 17 um for a lot of people who weren't around for best ball summer last year so if you're somehow behind the eight ball on that kind of explaining some of those core principles and why it is something we want to focus on unless you're in a draft like this bags and it doesn't line up in a natural way uh so you could come talk to me about week 17 correlation in the office hours of the fantasy life discord and then tomorrow uh, debuting another best ball breakfast rolling out. Going to be two drafts every Wednesday. First draft with the champ, Pat Crane. Second draft with Sean Siegel, the godfather of Zero RB from Rotoviz. So really looking forward to that programming block. Same time as all of these 10 a.m. kickoff. Pat in the first block, Sean in the second. So definitely set your calendars for tomorrow at 10 a.m. as well. Yeah, Pete bringing in the greatest minds here on Tuesdays and Wednesdays, many are saying on his channel, but go check us out on Splash Play. Of course, leave that comment down below for Pete's giveaway, $1,500 going once he hits 15,000 subs on the channel. And uh, Pete, I will give you kudos as well. Bringing great content to the people, Pat and Sean back to back is a, a power duo here that I think will actually provide insight as well as the entertainment stuff. Yeah, I like uh, we got. I like how, you know, I'm drafting a shit ton of teams, but all of them different vibe. Mondays are so low. Tuesdays are you and me battling, getting sniped, tilting. Uh, Wednesdays will be, you know, picking the brains of uh, Pat, who obviously has put his ideas in practice and took down the three million. And Sean, literally the the fantasy football mind, I respect the most. A guy yeah. who I read everything he writes. I think he's just he has just a great kind of holistic view on fantasy football. He understands it from the player take angle, from the draft board angle, and he's really good at 
not being afraid to break from consensus. And sometimes you'll look at Sean's ranks and like, you know, last year, I think he had like a guy like Zeke Elliott just rank like six rounds below ADP. And so he is not afraid to be aggressive in those spots. And so I love doing drafts with him because he really will go get his guys, but he somehow manages to do it in a very smart and thoughtful way. So yeah, looking forward to, uh, to uh, drafting with him this summer. Yeah, so check it out tomorrow here on Pete's channel, but go ahead over to the Splash Play channel now. The Tilting Hour, two straight weeks. Pete and I both have gotten enraged by somebody out the process, so go, go over there. Automatic redirect coming. Spags, we're back. Same show, new channel. It is Splash Play. It's Pete and Spags fighting for $3 million versus each other versus the chat on Underdog Fantasy in the Best Ball Mania 4 tournament. Yeah, we are all already in the waiting room here. Best Ball Mania for $3 million to first place. Going in that one, of course, the biggest prize pool you can find in the industry. And Pete and I just drafted one team on his channel. So if you missed that one, be sure to go check it out. But I'm excited, Pete. I feel like uh, we got sniped on a few things we want to do, didn't or didn't get the Week 17 correlations right last draft. So it gives us something to aspire to here on the Splash Play channel, Pete, where I always draft pristine teams every Friday. Uh, yeah. And you've, uh, how, how has the stack challenge been going? Uh, I'm a bad friend bags. I have not gotten a chance to check in on, uh, those streams yet. So I haven't seen how the experiment is going. Are you randomly selecting these? Or are you going through them alphabetically? So I put them on the randomizer wheel and, uh, spin the wheel and just choose whichever one last week. I had to do the Falcons on Friday. I did the chiefs before that. And each week I update the thumbnails too. So people can go back and see how I tried to attack these different things. But I, Pete, I don't know if you feel the same way. Stacking the Falcons, I would just immediately thought I have to get Bijan as part of this. So did grab him earlier, I think, than a falling Christian McCaffrey, which is the kind of thing where if you are committing to a stack-based video, normally do not want to take Bijan ahead of Christian McCaffrey, but in that particular one, I did. Yeah, uh, that's interesting. Yeah, and I think that's the thing, too, that makes that exercise uh, tricky. Where And again, it kind of goes back to the stuff about forcing stuff. In a perfect world, we all want, what, the top two to three players on even, any team? Even if it's a bad team, you still want the top two to three players. Mm -hmm. um, it's obviously a little more viable to take the fourth and fifth best player on a really good team than it is a really bad team, right? Like, did you end up with Matt Collins like, on that on that team? No, I got Drake London, I believe, instead. Or it was either London or Pitts, but I got, like, two of the key parts of Atlanta. But I know you take some Matt Collins, and actually, I took him in a draft last night as well, because if you get don't get the Atlanta guys and you're desperate for a stack, like you have your Mac Jones, Tyquan Thornton late, or you have Desmond Ritter and Mac Collins. And Ritter and Hollins is perfectly viable, I think, if you're not drafting a lot of Atlanta. Yeah. Um, I ended up, yeah, Mac Collins was because I was building out a Bears stack and had no week 17, also needed a late wide receiver with some upside. So I do think those are the instances where using week 17 correlation um can get you on uh smarter picks than just kind of blindly clicking your favorite player in the 18th round. Our guy, Paul, by the way, here, Pop, I guess, back off his suspension. Oh. Is this going to formally approve that the commissioner, Pete, uh, allow him back in? So uh, Paul gave himself uh, a self-imposed 10 uh, show in uh, suspension or 10 draft suspension. So uh, glad to see that's been lifted. Um, also glad to see we have the schedule out so he doesn't need to take, you know, Tyler Conklin 25 picks ahead of ADP anymore. Yes, that um, was a right. couple weeks ago with Tilt. Now let's see what's going to get you tilted this time. All right. Um, let's see here. I am going to start my draft. How you started last draft with uh, Devontae Adams. Oh, so we're live for the AR week 17 correlation already. Um, probably not because I'm probably, I'm not going to take him at 82 or 87. And then I pick again at one Oh six. So no, <laughs> 
I mean, maybe he'll fall in this room. Maybe uh, one thing I do want to point out, actually. So Dr. One, the professor in the room, I'll give him a shout out. Um, he was a guy that I felt had psyched me a few times. I might have even tweeted one of the, the drafts where he did it in a way that did make sense. And uh, kind of grew to hate him in my mind, Pete. But he reached out via YouTube and was like, oh, I'm not doing this. I'm not trying to like whatever. And sometimes I think Pete, we have to remember, especially as streamers, that not everybody is trying to ruin our lives, even though it sometimes feels that way. No, I, I personally work under the assumption that everyone is trying to to ruin our lives, Bags. That's just what I'm doing. It's um, safer. It, it is. Um, let's see here. Which wide receiver do I want to take with Devontae Adams? We're just going to play it by the ADP game. Um, let's, uh, you know what? I'm actually going to mix it up. I'm going to do Jalen Waddle with, uh, with Devontae Adams here instead. Okay, that's a nice pick here. Uh, Waddle going earlier and earlier in drafts and getting harder to get that Miami double with Tyreek. Um, okay, so logically, knowing that we've seen Josh Allen get pushed lately, I should push Josh Allen, but I don't think he's going to come back, and I don't know that reaching for Olave does me a lot better, so I am just going to take Josh Allen here. Okay. Like, yeah, you going wide receiver, Wilson being gone, like I would have taken one of Wilson or Waddle. I don't see the value in pushing Josh Allen now as much because he's not coming back. He's very unlikely to come back, but I don't gain a lot if he does. Yeah, and I, I did this start uh, yesterday. It was my first uh, Diggs-Allen uh, alpha start. Uh, the chat wanted me to push it. I ended up being in like a heavy QB room, so there was no chance. I have seen a few of those drafts or at least ones I've been in where Allen has slipped to uh, the third, but it kind of all depends on the room. I do think like a little tip, if you are trying to know when to push it, it is the more badges there are in a room, the more willing I find drafters to be to push quarterback. And those are the rooms I would <clears throat> be willing to maybe try to roll the dice a bit more. Uh, it's, but it's a little tough to pull out from the eight. I think to do it, you almost maybe want to reach slightly for digs at like five or six, because then it's a little bit more Ooh. likely that Allen's going to come back to 28 or 29 versus sliding to 32 or 33. But it is something to mess around with. I think if you're 150 maxing of basically being like, can I get this Allen digs in a sharp draft room where I sneak in another second round pick where you're able to get Olave or Devonta Smith. And then Allen comes back to you, I think is an interesting thing to consider. Chip with a good question here is Olave a fake alpha. I don't think he's a fake alpha, but I do think he's weirdly overpriced with Michael Thomas coming back. I think he's priced as though Michael Thomas is not going to be that same guy. And I'm, I don't think the jury's out, or I think I think jury is out on that one, Pete. Like, I don't think Olave's going to necessarily benefit a bunch with Thomas coming back in and probably taking at least seven targets, if not seven to 11. I had this conversation on Best Ball Breakfast. I even have a, a clip is, is Chris Olave. Um, I think like in the in the vibes and essence sense, like he's not an alpha, he's not a grown ass man. He, he's just not big enough and formidable enough to be an AJ Brown, George Kittle, true grown ass man. But could he deliver fantasy production like an alpha? I think absolutely. Um, in the same way, like, would you call like even heyday era Antonio Brown, would you call have called him an alpha? No, Even I mean, he, he was, was small. Like, like, yeah, he was one yeah. of those guys that, you know, didn't fit the criteria, but kind of overcame. And I guess, you know, the thing you could say, Brown, a lot better route runner, better hands too. Olave is just kind of a, I don't know. I, I think Olave doesn't have an outlier skill set. And I know that's the thing a lot of the draft guys talk about. It's like, this is guy great at one thing. I don't know that Olave is like great, great at one thing. Yeah, it is. I, I don't really have any problem with Olave where he's going. 
Um, I take him there uh, a decent amount, but it is crazy just how, again, I, I sound like the old man on the porch, you know, back in my day, Chris Olave would be a fifth or sixth round pick heading into this year, you know, mm-hmm. and now it's just like any wide receiver that flashes that kind of level of efficiency in year one, like drafters just know, I mean, those guys tend to make a leap in year two, you get the quarterback upgrade with Derek Carr. There's just, there's no more edges left uh, in that regard. Yeah. I'm on the clock here. Um, Again, I just get DK Metcalf because he's the last guy standing in this range, and that's going to be the case again. Um, I will point out this is part of why I'm more comfortable taking Michael Thomas as well. Michael Thomas is dust, Olave, Shahid, dust, Michael Thomas. Like, and that's, and I bet Mad Sox, and it's not singling him out or anything, but I bet Mad Sox takes Tyler Lockett. I bet Mad Sox takes Keenan Allen. Like, I don't think you should have these takes about one specific player just because he burned you before. And certainly Thomas hasn't played a lot in the last two years, but when he was out there last year, he was good, played three games and was still an effective guy per target in every advanced metric. So I just think that's a mistake, Pete. Like I think if you want to say all the guys over 30 or in the 30 range are, are dust, then great. Don't draft them, but not get to say one of them who's been great and been a wide receiver one is like the one you're drawing a line on. Uh, Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, I just took Mark Andrews there. We were talking about this spot in the draft with you on the previous stream where it's a kind of a gross. Wow. What a, what an interesting run of picks there. Let's see, man. um, I guess I'm going to just take uh, Christian Watson here. Um, I'm trying to think sometimes I do take fields. At ADP, but I'm going to kind of mix it up here. Um, we're going to go Devontae Adams, Jalen Waddle, Christian Watson, Mark Andrews, a little zero RB for the boys. I like you getting Andrews. I was thinking about taking Andrews over Metcalf, but I uh, didn't see the way. To, I guess I could have got a Miami running back for a little week 17 correlation, but uh didn't go that way. I am on the clock here, though. And I'm just going to take Jerry Judy, who is one of my comfy guys in this range, Judy. Um I don't like unstack DJ Moore that much. I don't know if you feel differently, but I feel like DJ Moore without fields kind of feels like a pointless draft. Yeah. Did you see where I got him yesterday where I got, it was someone in the chat can remind me. I'm pretty sure it was like pick 45, 46 late fourth on fields. And then I got DJ Moore in the fifth. So basically like a full round later where I have fields more teams from the three, four turn initially. And then Leone fudded DJ Moore so much that now you can get him uh, with the four five pairing, which does admittedly feel much, much better. Yeah. Like what Mr. D's here did in the five hole, he took Lamar and DJ Moore. I guess maybe makes like tournament sense. So I don't think he's building like a week 17 correlation team, but like, I just don't think DJ Moore at 44, Hey, that's not going to be where he's going in a month. Uh, but I think also I, again, Justin Fields, you can get for cheaper. So why take Lamar there and not correlate anything? Yeah, I'm, I don't know. Yeah. I think it like in a vacuum, I guess. Yeah. I don't, I don't love those picks necessarily i think like adp wise they're not egregious maybe leone would say the dj more adp is egregious unstacked um not getting those uh those benefits but i think anytime i see lamar in fields going off in the mid third like i get it i don't find that um to be bad but yeah if you are trying to set up that that stack it certainly makes more sense to grab fields there and he could have taken another guy in the third and then gotten probably gotten fields at 44 and then taken more at, you know, the next round. So I think what you're talking about with getting fourth round fields, fifth round more, I think that makes more sense now. 
Um, whereas opposed to earlier in drafts, like you kind of had to reach a little bit to try to get both guys. Now you can get them, I think, pretty easily. And, and again, that is the benefit of doing a bunch of drafts, right? Because you really then start to know the pockets of like, hey, I'm going to try to get my Fields DJ Moore exposure from a 103-104 draft slot, right? Knowing that sometimes Fields will fall and then DJ Moore will come back around. And I think that's just a really nice thing about understanding the pockets it then gives you like, yeah, you have these certain players or these little stacks you like, but some draft positions and some draft rooms are going to be more, you know, um, liable to make that happen um, as opposed to like just trying to jam it down every draft. Hawkinson is a clear number two in Minnesota, going to get seven to 10 targets a game. I don't know that he's the clear number two. If that were the case, they wouldn't have spent a first rounder on a, a wide receiver. Um I think Hawkins is a fine player. Like he's got a ceiling and that's to me what you care about is if you want to get a tight end who theoretically is going to have a ceiling come week 17, but I don't think Hawkinson's like a great pick anymore. I think he would have been better if they didn't draft an Addison kind of a tier of prospect. I, my take is like, I think Hawkinson, Kittle, Pitts and Goddard are all in a very similar tier and I have no problem taking Hawkinson at the top of that tier. I think the reason it's happening is because people can squint and see a little bit more Travis Kelsey light consistency from Hawkinson than from like the more spike week element of Kittle and Pitts. And so I think that's why drafters, because it just feels slightly safer to them. I think that's why that's happening. Um, but it is, for me, it's a pretty flat tier. Yeah, I agree. And honestly, out of that grouping, like I do, Kittle did some great things for me last year. I think Hawkinson has merits. Pitts, I... I'm willing to go back to a little bit more now, but I don't have a ton of confidence in. I think Goddard relative to the cost though, like I love getting Goddard. Like Goddard slips in drafts to get him out. And obviously you have, if you have Hertz, it feels great. But I think in general, just Goddard's going to be out there in a high octane offense. And and Batch is just literally taking only running backs. Wow. Batch. A batch of nine running backs is what that <laughs> name stands for. Six running back start for Batch here. And just snap picks too. Is he on autopilot? He might be on autopilot. It does. I mean, it doesn't have the logo, but I don't think it has it. Does it have it on here? Yeah, it does. I don't, think it, it has I don't think it shows you for other drafters who are on uh, autopilot. Okay. Yeah. Cause that's, but autopilot, I don't think would even do this. So I don't know. Batch could be uh batch is batch. The new Ed Garvey, Pete, you tell me. <laughs> we, we will see. I mean, Ed, Ed was a, fixing to be a hero. I would say that batch um, didn't even get off the runway uh, before blowing up. Is there any way you could salvage Pete a team that drafts six running backs in the first six rounds? No, I mean, Ed Garvey was captain Sully, and this is the challenger space shuttle right now. <laughs> we just didn't even, we didn't even enter orbit. I don't think you can. Someone asked me in the comments if I'd rather start a draft four straight running backs or two straight tight ends. I think you could still maybe get away with four straight running backs, but I don't think you can. I think you're dead on arrival with six straight running backs. I'm thinking George Pickens here to go with my potential Seattle stack. I did think about one of Pitts and Goddard, but we'll see if they come back. Probably not. Probably not. Yeah. Oh, of course, Edgar Vey, not Ed Garvey. No, that's I, I, I've I've only drafted with Ed Garvey. Maybe you guys have been in different uh, draft rooms, but I'm not familiar. I did. That was one of the fastest turnarounds for a clip. You were like, the people need Ed Garvey content in their lives immediately. And that was a, if you didn't miss that one yesterday on Pete's full stream, you can check out the YouTube short that also has a good job giving the gist of you ironically rooting or actually, I think it was a little bit of both ironic rooting and then actual rooting. 
Uh, no, I would never do anything with a hint of irony. Everything I do is completely genuine. Um, no, my guy Lou Dog uh, crushes uh, on the clips. So, uh, yeah, we get the fast turnarounds. All right. We got interesting picks here. Dr. One, the professor takes Goddard. Uh, so Goddard and Hertz. That's a nice little single stack there for him. Nobody really do anything that interesting. Like Batch is the only one I feel like who this team makes no sense and it's just not going to work. But everybody yeah. else kind of go into this with standard drafts. I feel like across the board. You know we're so spoiled. Uh, you know we just want we just want someone to do something crazy so it gives us something to talk about. I'm taking advantage of not being the one driving this stream right now and just loading up my queue with a bunch of players. Something I do not do when I am the one screen sharing because it's like it's a billboard for people on uh how to tilt me so i like to uh to build my queue and in quiet obscurity uh the black lebowski asking pete can you explain the theory behind zero qb wide receiver and tight end strat um i mean i i would say a zero wide receiver draft is not going to work out a lot but uh do you have any thoughts about the different strategies that you maybe don't deploy quite as much so i i i guess he's i don't really think i think he's basically saying so zero qb like punting quarterback punting wide receiver punting tight end i i personally will never punt wide receiver fully in a draft i might start with two running backs maybe even three but then i'm going to absolutely pound wide receiver rounds four through ten i do really think you need enough firepower there the other ones punt qb and punt tight end it's basically hey you get locked out of the top five or six quarterbacks you get locked out of the top five or six tight ends you're prioritizing running back and wide receiver in the middle rounds and you need to make up for your lack of quality at the position with quantity later i am much more willing to do punt quarterback teams than i am punt tight end i personally just do not like devoting three of my 18 roster spots to a onesie position that is also the lowest scoring position on the site. That's just my personal preference. I know there's lots of smart people who like three tight end builds in certain situations, just not how I prefer to build. Um, but let me make a pick here. Um, all right, we will do, uh, we'll do cam makers here at, uh, I don't have, it's my first running back here at pick 82, uh, seems to be fine. Oh, apparently we missed a, a joke about, oh, he's just, so he's, is he drew like trying to ruin the room? Like what is the, Oh boy. I feel like I'm hoping this isn't one of the snipe streamers. So I think they still try to draft good teams. So I don't even know what batch is doing now. Yeah. We might, um, this draft might get thrown out. I think at a certain point, how many, what has he done? Eight straight running backs. Really? Yeah. What's going to happen. Actually, that's interesting, Pete. Cause what happens if you get a draft thrown out? Cause it's going to fuck up your count and you're not going to know until, until too late. Yeah. So this is a, so this is a weird spot where um, I'm going to go ahead and just take tra Trevor Lawrence at pick 87. I don't have any correlation. I don't have any team stacks, but um, I don't really know. Did something happen with Trevor Lawrence? I'm trying to figure out why he's sliding 26 picks past ADP. Um, I'm just going to scoop that up and figure it out after. Yeah. Um, and this is a tough call for me. Cause I a tough call as his button hovers over Anthony Richardson. <laughs> well, Pete, here's the thing. Uh, is it, is it getting hot in here? Do you think, is it perhaps a little toasty in this room right now? That is I, Oh my God. Oh no, oh, man. Ah, oh, just too hot. Oh God. Oh, this is, oh, this is crazy. Who would have such a Jersey? Who would wow. have such a, a purchase Pete? 
It's nice to know that right when you think the Anthony Richardson money pit can't go any deeper, Spags finds even another depth of the tunnel to throw money at Anthony Richardson. <laughs> I mean, what if Anthony Richardson is the player you need to get Josh Allen to the finals with that dig stack? We won't, we don't know. And I, I want to be there front and center for it. What, what is your exposure at now, by the way, I feel like we need, uh, we need check-ins on this. Let's see on in just BBM or everything. Um, how about both? Can I get both? All right. So first just BBM 42.4%. And then across everything, which is the poodle, the puppy, and BBM, not including the big boards where I have a lot, uh, 48% Anthony Richardson, $577 in entry fees thus far. Wow. Impressive, Spags. Incredible commitment to the bit. I mean, look, the, the chat somewhat divided the supportive, I think. I will point out, guys, this is the first jersey I have bought since I went as injured Tony Romo in 2017 or 2016, I think. <laughs> I got the Romo jersey, got the stupid plain hat and an arm sling. So that was my Halloween costume. Um, so that's, you know, if I, Pete, if there's any way for me to show my love for a player, it is buying my first jersey in six years. Um, That's impressive. I think I have never... The only, the only, I have two NFL jerseys. They're both Patrick Laird. One I bought before going to the game to meet Laird, and the other he gave me a signed one. So I, I am a, a Patrick Laird jersey maxi. A hundred, a hundred percent of my NFL jersey exposure is to Patrick Laird. Also, I, I need to highlight Andrew's chat here. I was really weighing this one because obviously I wore the jersey in the hopes of being able to show it. But I do think if I did not get a share of AR today, I perhaps would have just kept wearing the jersey every time I stream with Pete until I got a share. Uh, trust me, I knew you're not buying a jersey without getting some kind of prop content equity out of it. So I'm glad that you were able to uh, to pull that out right away. Uh, shout out to Spike Weeks here. Rob Coakley, King Coakley said Spags is going to go broke with Richardson. He sent in a $2 super chat. Might have missed one. Oh, I missed one before too from a Pius Devlar guy saying Ed Garvey was in fact the first executive director of the NFLPA. So that's the reference there. And perhaps Pete, why you saw a bit of a boomer draft. Yeah, you know, and a lot of, there's a lot of people out there talking about a guy named you know, uh, Edgar Vey. So nice to see those assholes put in their place. Oh man. Yeah. Just putting assholes in their place. That's what we do here on splash play. So please don't forget to subscribe as well. Hit the like button down below splash play Friday streams here with me doing stacks at random every week. Of course, the double headers with Pete. Uh, so please go check that out here as I am on the clock. Um, can't draft Anthony Richardson again, unfortunately, uh, but I can continue to make a bet on Seattle. That is going to hurt whoever takes Gino Smith. <laughs> Six like Zach Charbonnet. I, you said that so casually, but it does seem like if there were two copies of Anthony Richardson in the pool, you would try to draft him on two teams. It, like, okay, let's say Anthony Richardson were able to splice himself into, and he got drafted to the Colts and to the Texans. I think I would take both those ARs. <laughs> I, I, I know you would. <laughs> oh, Batch first receiver <laughs> off the board. Oh, two, oh he's going to pivot now. You got Odell and Juju. There you go. I mean, is that is Odell your wide receiver one? I mean, talk about a chef's kiss right there. This team, this this batch team has to be a collusion team or something. I don't know, but it is quite the unique team. And at least he got Madison, got a young back in the room. Yeah, that's that's what you know we're all relieved to hear. Oh boy, what a draft here. I think you're are you getting beaten down a little bit by the streaming? Because I feel like normally batch might have gotten a monologue, and today you're just like this fucking bullshit again. <laughs> no, I get like, I beaten down would be if I had to do six solo streams myself. So, you know, this is a treat for me, Spags. I got you hosting here. I'm able to use my cue. 
Um, I'm able to tilt in peace here. Um, let's see. I'm going to go ahead and grab A-Chain here. I did get uh, Tua, who slipped uh, around past ADP to stack up with Waddle. Um, I take A-Chain right at ADP there, but a zero RB build. He's my second running back. Um, didn't see anything else really jumping out to me in that range. Yeah, and I am going to, you know, I'm actually going to get tight end out of the way here because I do like Dalton Kincaid still. I'm taking less of him these days because I don't love the price tag, but I got Josh. Batch is in the chat. Evan Bachelor is in the chat. I'm sorry, guys. I updated my rankings by position and didn't import the whole thing. Batch is here, and he's not an (laughs) idiot, or is he? (laughs) Is it genius or madness? You tell us, but that, boy, that's, that's a tough loss of 25 bucks there if that is the case. Wow. This is, this is kind of the thing too, where it's like, you know, uh, Pat explained this sometimes like on, uh, I guess this happens on DraftKings where you load up your queue with your players, but because the app is like more glitchy or whatever, sometimes you'll just get auto drafted the guy at the top of your queue, uh, where it's like you trying to be smart, like trying to update your own rankings is you trying to be smarter than the room at ADP. And then it just backfires in a magnificent way. Um, bachelor, it took a lot of courage to uh reveal yourself here um thank you thank you for your service yeah and aw summing it up hope the conference call was worth it <laughs> so that's a <laughs> reminder to the people out there trying to do work in draft teams that sometimes it goes askew and and unfortunately there's no brick caddy to help people out with it yeah man tough scene that is very tough, tough scene there um uh, i wonder what entry that batch what entry is is that for you because like that's not a badge bro so he's not um I mean, is he maxing it out? Like, is this going to be, is this going to be one in five? Yeah, Batch, tell us more about your story. Uh, <laughs> that is, I think that could be, Spags' says best ball continues to grow. And, you know, we have all these niches within niche. We have like the data element of best ball. We now have, you know, the, the cardio element. There's all these niches. I think we could potentially make mini documentaries like 30 for 30 style on these various drafters. You know, we can do the Ed Garvey documentary. We can do the Batch documentary i think i think those would be consumed they would get probably 50 and 60s of views uh if we spent time making those yeah if, if anything the dk videos of the top dfs players in the world have shown us a pathway to, to to not getting views on content that's incredibly awkward to watch but entertaining in that way exactly oh boy yeah that's a tough one for batch apparently batch uh 10 minutes he's batching to all the time in drafts so i guess he's just trying to hone his process and he learned the hard way that is not how to do it so kudos to him Shout uh, we got some, there's a lot of pun potential here. Uh, batch bro. He's a batch bro. Um, Tyler said we need a batch story. Uh, I did that one for you there. The batch nine RBs. There you go. And of course I get sniped on Gino here by Nate's and how unfortunate with my triple stack of Seattle. I'm not going to get him now. Um, but I will get actually, Hmm. I will get a guy that I know Pete likes, but I also like a lot. And I get so much Elijah Mitchell that I'm going to reach a little bit for Kendra Miller instead. And maybe Mitchell will fall, but probably not. Um, He Mitchell will not make it back to you. Unfortunately, I have run out of uh, stacking options for Trevor Lawrence. So I get to make the, the least fun click in the world and take Zay Jones here. At least it's five picks past ADP. Wide receiver three for Jacksonville, a role that's still draft. Is A. Jones getting drafted at 130 just because he was good for a couple of weeks last year? Because it kind of feels that way. 
Yeah. And uh, like, I, again, I think he's mispriced, uh, but I also don't want to have an unstacked Trevor Lawrence. I wasn't going to reach for Zay Jones, but I will take him past ADP as my uh, sixth wide receiver and hope by week 17, he's the guy you need. Uh, and Chip, don't worry. I was not in fact going to take Gino, um, but I do have a triple stack of Seattle. So, um, but that goes well with my pickings and, and I, at the end of the day, I'm making a bet now that Anthony Richardson will beat Gino come week 17. And I have no issue with that. I think that's the kind of bet I want to take. I, I was about to just have the, like the thought of like, wow, running back really dried up in this room. And then it's like, oh yeah, because batch took them all. <laughs> that's, I mean, honestly, I'm impressed that I've been able to get the running backs I've gotten so far. And that's the one thing, Pete, I feel like if you do see a batch drafter and they're not doing it accidentally, um, you just don't take running backs in that period. You just get them later. Like don't buy in on the running back avalanche wide receiver avalanche. You have to running back avalanche. Just wait, just wait them out. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, and it, it sucks when, like, what you want is a batch drafter when you start with two early running backs, right? Because then the zero RB drafters are starved. You know, when I'm in this spot where I have a zero RB build, then it fucking sucks. That batch, you know, isn't able to multitask like the rest of the world, like literally every other person. Um, and the fact that batch doesn't know how to upload the rankings, which is actually a very intuitive and simple process on underdogfantasy.com. Aside from that, um, how is the play, Mrs. Lincoln? I hate it. <laughs> yeah i so is this i think it's a question people might have is this enough to get this draft thrown out do you think because those guys weren't reaches at adp so i don't think that one set off that flag and i, I think i might be wrong that it might not get thrown out i don't i don't think it's gonna get thrown out i feel like that's people's like most popular question that i see on social media is like is this drafting get thrown out and usually it's like wild adp reaches get drafts thrown out but not people drafting you know suboptimal structures exactly here we go. Put it on auto draft. Be respectful of pace for the draft. Big fan, so I didn't want it to stay quiet behind the screen. Oh, Evan, thank you. That Batch winning me over <laughs> minute by minute. Look at Batch. <laughs> you know what? You're lucky I used up all my wrath on Paul a couple of weeks ago. Otherwise, I would be lighting you up. Here's the thing. Would we have gotten, you wouldn't have gotten Trevor Lawrence probably if uh, Batch didn't do that. I wouldn't have gotten AR in the comfy spot I did. So in a lot of ways, Evan Batchelor did in fact quite actively help this stream. I, I love that Evan feels forced to explain himself. The second live stream you guys did was earlier. So I rushed to get in and then the Zoom call came in at the same time. Wow. Wow. The best would be if they're like, all right, yeah, share your screen here. Uh, pop it up. <laughs> And then, and then your coworker, they, they don't call out the fact that you're doing a draft on work hours. They just go, wow, nine RBs, huh? <laughs> yikes. Somebody's a little piggy, huh? <laughs> yeah, yikes. <laughs> now, kudos, I, you know, having the accountability we appreciate here. At the end of the day, that's, Pete, that's all we do here. We're accountable for everything we do on the stream. Bad choices, bad jersey purchases, whatever it may be, we're always accountable. Where are, so like, will, will you wear that jersey in any other context other than on stream? Um, maybe, you know, if I'm watching Colts games, I don't know. I, I, I'm not, I'm not a big Jersey wearer, but is this just well, part that's of my why I ask. Like yeah. you would actually, like, if you're just on a Sunday, like watching a game, not on stream, not a photo op, you would throw a Jersey on. What I would probably do, and this depends on if I'm back on the stochastic morning NFL streams, I'd probably wear it for that and then keep it on. And then just out of inertia would have it on the entire day. Cause it is the one thing that's unfortunate. Like um, even over the weekend, one of my buddies was wearing an old school uh, Anaheim ducks uh, hockey Jersey. And I actually thought it looked pretty cool. Obviously soccer jerseys um, just fit really well because they just look like mm -hmm. a fancy t-shirt, even like a well-fitting baseball 
uh, shirt looks good, but NFL ones because of the shoulder pads and you're kind of benefiting from having it cropped out. Like if you, if they just don't rest well on the male form without pads underneath them, the one look I don't mind for an NFL Jersey spags is a hoodie underneath it, putting it over the hoodie. Cause mm. the hoodie bulk almost serves as a way to fill out the shoulder pads. I agree. I think that's, uh, do I have anything here? Um, Algier or Bigsby? Trying to break my Algier thing, so I'm gonna take Bigsby. Oh, great, thank you. Oh, so sorry, sorry. No, Spags, <laughs> it's just it's your favorite bit. I love how you're trying to break your Algier thing, but not the Anthony Richardson thing. Buy a fucking Algier jersey. Uh, I would have last year. He carried so many teams for me. He was a great pick, but yeah, no. Um, I I should be more aware of your teams. No, you shouldn't. I will happily correlate my Tyler Algier with Roshan Johnson in week uh, week 17. Oh, there you go. Are you with me on this concept? And it's not something I've seen any data on or anything. So one of the, you know, one of the people out there, maybe the big data bowl people can do that. Um, I would say that taking two weeks, 17 running backs from the same matchup is kind of interesting because you're basically making a bet that the game flow is going to be with one of them. And obviously they do pull from each other. So I don't think it's the same as like a game stack of receivers where you're trying to target a high scoring game. But I do think you can kind of uniquely pinpoint a week 17 game. If you do take like a Roshan and Algier. Um, yeah, hang on one second. I'm going to yeah, make go my pick here. I am behind the eight ball with running backs. Let's go ahead and uh, we'll grab Devin Singletary here. Oh, okay. Um, So, yeah, we're, hang on. Were you talking about the debate about two quarterbacks from the same Week 17 game? No, just two taking two backs? running backs from the same Week 17. I guess you could compare it to that, but I think it's a lot more beneficial with two running backs just because there is a good shot that one of them will kind of be a guy that uh, controls the game flow a little bit. Yeah, it goes back to like – obviously there's all these different kinds of like correlations and the correlation you're trying to hit when you have two running backs from the same game is just that the game goes nuts, right? That's the correlation you're trying to hit. You have a little less outs in that. Like if one team is steamrolling the other, right? It's very unlikely. Like, let's even just say Bijan gets her Algiers, the starting running back. Let's say Roshan has climbed to the depth chart of the bears, but then like the bears are just absolutely dominating the Falcons and they're up like 24 to three. Like Algier is probably not going to be in a conducive game flow for that scenario, but say the scenario, all those other things happen. They're the two starting backs and we have like a 30 to 24 game or whatever. Both of those backs could be beneficiaries of the game going off. So there's still correlation benefits, but you're not necessarily having multiple outs to that correlation. Whereas, you know, say if you have, I don't know, an Eli Mitchell, Terry McLaurin, right? Like in those scenarios, there's different game flows where they both could get there. Like the Niners could get up early with Eli Mitchell or Eli Mitchell could salt away the game in the second half and Terry McLaurin's playing the whole game. And so like, I think the correlation sometimes is a little easier to envision it happening in different game flows for non RBRB correlations, but you're just rooting for a shit ton of points almost in general for these games. And the running backs could both definitely get lifted in that scenario. Yeah, and I think there was somebody pointing out about the DFS thing. Yeah, I always thought opposing running backs in DFS isn't great. I think it's different for best ball just because you are potentially cornering a market on a game. So it's not the same as in DFS where um, you're losing a roster spot and the ceiling that comes on a particular slate. Um, so I think that's where it's different. But I think you're right that like the McLaurin-Mitchell uh, thing gives you a few more outs. But um, but you're not cornering a market there because like it could theoretically be you know the Niners pull ahead early and then Gibson is the running back who's getting a lot of volume. So I don't know. It's just a thought and exercise. Uh, what is this? This has got to be spam. I am Elena. Nice to meet you, Elena. Big best ball fan. <laughs> I am I... Elena. Wow. <laughs> Elena, who is the most mispriced 
player in underdog drafts right now, in your opinion? I, I think we have subscriber mode on, right? Like, so she must be the the bot must be subscribed. Hey, I, I, Elena seems like a very real person to me. She said hi. She introduced herself. Uh, oh, we have multiple Elenas. We are Elena. Uh, not to derail this Elena pick, but we just pull up Brett's clip here. Uh, Brett. Brett. So Brett is missing. Uh, so he says we overvalue week 17 so much. You could say we talk about it too much, but I just took Tyler Algier two picks past ADP. I, I'm not overvaluing it. You are completely free rolling the correlation. I took a player at ADP which we know there's nothing wrong to do and you get slight benefits whenever they go past. People can be annoyed about the discourse, but as long as you're not massively reaching for stacks, you are not overvaluing week 17. If you can tell me some player who's going three rounds after Tyler Algier in a vacuum is that much more of a better pick, I'm all ears. Uh, I'm going to trust the market most of the times there, but I think people get confused by talk about week 17, meaning you're overvaluing it. And uh, I think I couldn't think that's further from the truth. Um, Elena from Greece. Um, <coughs> and then yes. So there, so Elena making friends in the chat. Somebody's going to propose to Elena, I think before the end of the stream. Um, all right. I am at a two, six, six, one build finally kind of made up some ground here at running back. The Chuba was a bonus getting a zero RB target and a little correlation with my weak ass Jack stack in week 17. And now I am back on the clock here. Um, let's see. Let's see. I am in the market for a tight end. I, I'm going to keep taking this guy around past ADP. Um, Dawson Knox at 183. I do not mind at all. Um, I am going to end up with my double tight end buys, which, uh, you know, the chat and Twitter will come after me for, but I like that discount on Dawson Knox, man. Yeah, I, I've taken him a little bit too on the discount. Um, you know, I still get why there's a discrepancy between him and Kincaid, but logically, um, yeah, if you're just playing for a, a weekly outcome that's gonna be beneficial, I, I don't think that's the correct one necessarily. Um, on the clock though, I have a two five six two here. <sighs> Is Shakir like still alive as like a play at this point? Yeah, why not? All right. I, I had him on my Josh Allen uh dig stack that I drafted the other day. It just feels like he's not getting cheaper, even though like there's now players that seemingly have to leap him to be priced where they are. So I, that's I, the thing that kind of throws me. I, I, I like, I don't know. Maybe it's just, uh, you know, it's not player takey, but man, I love just taking Shakir Hardy, like tacking on any of those guys to Allen stacks or, you know, bring back stuff with new England there. Um, Cause it's like, I don't have Supreme. I think it's going to be Shakir over Hardy, but would it shock me if Hardy, had that role in Shakir was slightly more de-emphasized? No. Um, but the price is right to fuck around and find out with both of those guys. Yeah, I, I think that's fair. Um, and I think especially too, where you do have Josh Allen and just want to take a receiver. It's not like, you know, I, I like Terrace Marshall, like Darius Slayton, those guys, but uh, they're not going to correlate like Shakir does. So I'm willing to take that stab here. But I do think now he just is like, I was excited about his prospects heading into this year. And now there's been enough over the summer that you add Kincaid, you add Hardy on a good contract. Like it feels not great for Shakir, even though he's still probably the same likelihood of getting there. I don't, I just don't know what's going on here. I feel like we've lost control. I, I think we have, I mean, but you got to, we lost control, but you gained a subscriber spags. And in the, <laughs> in the content business, that's a trade off you're willing to make. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, we will. Speaking of, guys, don't forget to subscribe. I know I asked earlier, but uh, please subscribe down below with the like button. Leave a comment as well. Uh, your entry here, your comment here, rather, counts as an entry on Pete's giveaway of 1500 bucks, And, of course, uh, you will get a reply from me as well. So make sure to do that. And, uh, and yeah, please go subscribe to the channel and subscribe to Pete's channel as well because Pete's been crushing it. And um, that that video of with Hoop, that was uh, – I talked about it on my solo stream. Like, I really enjoyed listening to it and, and watching it and all that. But it's crazy that there was that level of interest in the drama to spike the views like to that level. I I was saying it to the Soulcast guys in our private chat the other day that I'm going to spend all summer just absolutely grinding basketball streams, as Adam Levitan would say, grinding my my penis down to the nub, grinding so hard, and it'll be hoop talking about internal drama at a niche boutique DFS site company that is going to be my most viewed video on the channel. That's just how the world works. So Spags, we need to uh, set up some kind of love triangle, backstabbing, murderous uh, subplot uh, somehow to really boost the views, I think. Boy, there is absolutely nothing left at running back, huh? Um, I'm just going to take a Dwayne McBride here, continue my rookies that have a chance to be in the mix here, but this is a little more rookie heavy than I normally like to go. And who are you going to take here, Pete? Because you're good at running backs. So you're not going to be in the same conundrum, I'd assume. Uh, I think I am going to end up with a 2772 build, but I don't have any running backs like screaming at me right now. So I'm going to grab my wide receiver first. I had mentioned Darius Slayton last draft. I didn't get him because I needed a uh, 2 with Stafford, but I do have my little Cam Akers set up a little Cam Akers Darius Slayton mini correlation. You guys talk about week 17 too much. You really think Cam Akers is going to score three touchdowns and then Darius Slayton's going to throw score two more on the comeback? Get out of here. Um, but yes, that is why I just selected Darius Slayton. Also, Batch here taking Stroud and Mac Jones at the end to go with his team that he, he tried to make it up a receiver, ended up with seven, it looks like. No, six receivers. So he did the best he could have dig out of that hole. Could have been better. Uh, I think we could all agree. You know what I'm going to do, Spags? I'm going deep off the board. Oh, fuck no, am I? <laughs> yeah, you gotta. I think I have to. Uh, shit. I'm going to draft a guy that I have not drafted yet in Best Ball Mania, despite loading up on him in the big board. I'm going to get one of my first loves, uh, Pierre Strong, here as my wide or my running back seven. I agree. I don't. I don't love all the Ramondre Stevenson hype that's going around lately. But let me make my pick here: two six seven two. Definitely take a seventh running back here. Oh, you know what? I'll get my week 17 correlation, some leverage on Pete. James Robinson, come on down. A classic wow. Belichick back. Someone, someone in one of my comments the other day told me they were at like 45 or 50. Per, no, no. They might have said 60. They said they were at 60% James Robinson through like a meaningful amount of drafts in best ball main. I was like, all right, that's. That's taking a stand. I, hang on. I do. I do. I've been kind of not devoting my attention to it, but Elena, who continues to write out real things. Um, Elena, can you tell us how you found this stream? Are you interested in fantasy football? Are you drafting best ball teams? How did you find, how did you find this stream? Or did you just say, Hey, there's two real good looking guys on there. I'll see what they're up to. Wow. That Jersey just fits Spags' shoulders perfectly. I'm getting pulled right in. I really need to know Elena. How did you end up here? What'd be like if you were, you know, browsing YouTube and you're watching a stream and you see uh, a sexy lady taking off an article of clothing? She probably saw me remove the hoodie and was like, oh, what's going on here? I'm intrigued. And now she's stuck watching two guys draft best ball teams in a room where a guy drafted nine running backs. Um, yeah, I mean, there's <laughs> I mean, my personal fetish is watching a man draft nine uh, straight running backs. So I, I shouldn't begrudge anyone else to have the same one. 
I mean, Pete, like, when is a man the most a man when he's drafting best ball teams? I think at the end of the day, that's when you're most comfortable. That's when you're your true self. Uh, a little bit of toxicity in the air as well. So, like, all the masculine traits that people are looking for when uh, searching. The chat's asking for me to get bonked. Did I really veer into bonk territory there? <laughs> I mean, your guys' threshold for a Pete bonk is so much lower than a Spags is. Like, a Spags bonk is just so egregious and over the top. It's not something I like. I made a, a very lighthearted reference to Spags and I being good looking guys, like just softly objectifying ourselves. And that gets a bonk. You guys, the double standard here is ridiculous. All right, let's put this team to a vote here because we did close it out. And of course, on Splash Play, we do the vote thing because we had a little more time here on the back end. Uh, my team, Josh Allen, Anthony Richardson, Isaiah Pacheco, Zach Charbonnet, Kendra Miller, Tank Bigsby, Chase Brown, Dwayne McBride, and James Robinson for that Week 17 correlation that's overvalued. A receiver, Diggs, DK Metcalf, Jerry Judy, JSN, George Pickens, Alec Pierce, and Khalil Shakir. And then a tight end, two rookies, really rookie-heavy lineup here, Dalton Kincaid, and Michael Mayer and, and Pete, I'll read your team too for Atlanta since obviously we all know what she's here for. Um, Trevor Lawrence, nice value, Pete. Two attack of at quarterback, running back, Cam Akers, Devin A. Chain, uh, Roshan Johnson, bit of a reach there. Tyler Algier, so last year. Devin Singletary, Chuba Hubbard, and Pierre Strong, more of a big board pick. Devontae Adams, Jalen Waddle, Christian Watson, Chris Godwin, Brandon Ayuk, and Zay Jones, along with Darius Slayton at receiver. And then a tight end, Pete, you closed it out with Mark Andrews and a great Buffalo player in Dawson Knox. So chat. Who won this team? Elena, Batch. Elena won. Greece is bad, says Elena. So there. I don't think either of us won at the end of the day. Did my jersey win? That's the question. Uh, yeah. I mean, what a reveal, Spags. Are you going to clip that? No, of course not. <laughs> I, I will I will seed uh, victory to Elena here. The the mysterious um, Elena. This this draft was an interesting one for me. That The, the Trevor Lawrence pick sent me down just a different trajectory that I was not prepared for because, you know, I had Christian Watson, I had Brandon Ayuk, I had Godwin, I had, oh, and Adam. So I had all of these late quarterback options if I wanted to step it out. And then I'm just sitting there being like, why is Trevor Lawrence 26 pass picks past ADP? And I do not think I will have a lot of Trevor Lawrence to a teams. Um, so this seemed like a fun time to get a unique combo. The running back stuff with batch was a little unfortunate, but I think I recovered in a zero RB room. Uh, there again, I wish I felt a little bit better about my last pick, knowing I could be taking on a pretty big dead roster spot with Pierre strong, whereas at least guys like Algier, Singletary Hubbard, I feel very confident they're the RB two on their team. It would not shock me if James Robinson was the RB two on the pat. So, um, that one boxed me in a little bit. I do like my wide receivers a lot though, for a seven wide receiver build, um, five through the first 63 picks. I like my tight ends, Andrews and Knox. So a weird team, but, uh, I think, okay. Footballs. I think Batch ran away with this one. LOL. <laughs> there we go. And and Elena's final words here: emojis and ah. So that's <laughs> what's better, Pete. What are the plugs here? Of course, I will get in Panner. Please subscribe to the channel with the like button, leave a comment. Actually, Pete, are you doing this on your channel? Because I think we should say uh, go use promo code Splash and Underdog. But of course, don't forget these unique guidelines here. Of course, if you need help, go reach out to the numbers on the screen. But go deposit hundred dollars on Underdog and you. Uh, use that promo code SPLASH to double it. So you'll get $200 if you deposit $100 on Underdog. Play on there. Have the fun we're having. And of course, Pete, game responsibly and put a banner over our faces to really remind people and drive that point home. I think it's because I forget to tell people to play on Underdog Fantasy that I'm not beholden to that same stuff. <laughs> you really, like, for a man who does as well with you do getting the views in, you don't plug shit. <laughs>
<laughs> I uh, I'm I'm bad at uh, at show. You know, no, I I promote my shows and stuff, but I do forget yeah. to be like, you get a hundred dollar deposit match. Um, no, uh, use use promo code Splash Play. Um, but if the trade off is I don't have to show the uh, the boilerplate uh, legalese there, it sounds like a win. Um, yeah, the main thing uh, I need to check in with the guys on the club. I think we're gonna do a show later today. I know my guy Andy is diving into Best Ball Mania, so who knows? Might be another draft at four thirty. But Fantasy Life Discord AMA three thirty. If you guys want to come talk about why week 17 correlation is overblown. You can come do it there. And then tomorrow debuting best ball breakfast with Pat and Sean at 10 AM on my channel. Really looking forward to that. And as usual, don't forget the comment challenge, which applies to me getting 15 K subs on my channel. It applies to any place. I stream a draft, whether that's as a guest uh, on splash place, will So immediately following the show, leave a comment spags, We'll throw on uh, his hard hat and get in the comment section, reply to all of those, and that will get you an entry into my $1,500 giveaway. Yeah, go do that. Please support Pete, but also give yourself a chance to win uh, one of three shares there, giving away 1500 bucks from Pete. And of course, follow Pete at Peter Overzet. Follow me at Chris Spags. Follow this show at Splash Play Pod. And if you want to see me back here on Friday, I'll be doing a random stack on this very channel. Subscribe and come be on board with that. Any final words, Peter? Show to set the outro. Uh, let's hit the outro because outro because I have to pee <laughs> incredibly bad and I've been holding it in this whole stream. Wow, kudos to Pete here, guys. Let's hit that outro. We'll see you again uh, very soon. Good luck. Bye.